0: This is a discourse Shakti Durga gave at a satsang in Sydney about the nature of how the world seems in the physical dimension versus how it is in the soul dimension. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast, to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. If you think about the most stressful things that ever happened to people, what would you say they were? What? Just shout out someone's. Earthquakes. earthquakes. Death. Death of a child. Divorce. Famine. Selling houses. (laughs) (laughs) Selling houses. Warfare. War, yeah. Dark night of the soul. Yeah, the dark night of the soul, that's pretty stressful. New schools. New schools. For children. For children, children. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so our world is set up in such a way that there are definitely um, plenty of things for us to be frightened of and plenty of things. To be sort of hyperactive about ah, is this gonna to happen to me? And what are some of the most beautiful things that ever happened to you? Love? Friendship? Love, friendship? The spiritual path? Meeting you. Meeting me. <laughs> <laughs> Music. Music. Yes. Time in nature. Time in nature. Yeah. Dancing? Romance. Romance? Children. Children. Yeah. They're stressful too. They can be stressful, says (laughs) Brumini. And one can go either way, she says. Money. Money? Winning lotto. Winning lotto. Yeah, well, some people would say that was pretty stressful for him as well. Yeah. I read in one of those magazines that he's suing just about every media outlet in America because they want to publish a name. She doesn't want her name released. She's suing everyone. That'll, that'll take care of her lot of opinions, won't it? Yeah. All those legal fees. Lawyers will think that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> oh dear. So in our lives, we are in a system which, by its very nature, is always going to have things that are beautiful and things that are so hard to deal with and so difficult to understand. And I do hear from time to time, people say, there can't be a God, because if there was, then those terrible things wouldn't happen. And uh, that seems like a really good argument on its on the surface, it seems like a very good argument. Having kicked around um, spiritual paths and teachers and gurus and rishis and people for the last God knows how long, um, it seems to me though that there's a few more things to consider rather than that which seems to be like an obvious no-brainer. And I've got to say, when I was a young person, I sort of thought along similar lines that there couldn't be this horror, this heinous kind of carry-on in the world if there was really a God. Then you learn about uh, something that's really interesting to learn about is the experience of duality as opposed to the experience of unification or unity or wholeness. And so in the time that I've been practicing spiritually, there's been um, a lot of times where I've experienced, as you probably have too, the unity consciousness, the experience of bliss and joy and peace, uh, whereby everything else that might be going on in your life, it just as though it's not there. It, you feel so good and so, um, you know, Fabulous, really. I don't know if there's not enough superlatives to really describe that feeling. Your mind is still. uh, You really aren't that aware necessarily of your body. But the inner life is so blazingly beautiful. And then when you come out of that meditation and you come back into your world again, it's like, oh, yeah, there's that issue I've got to deal with and there's that issue that I've got to deal with and yet you have a little holiday from it when you're in this um, holiday camp called meditation or spiritual practice or mantra or whatever it is. And over time, and studying a lot of the ways that other people look at things, I've been very impressed with the way the Kabbalah looks at this question of is there a God and is there not, and what do you do with the question of evil and so forth. And I really love the way in the Kabbalah they talk about how there are different dimensions that we live in. And although I've never read anything about the the Kabbalah when the V-diagram dropped in the top of my head, which many of you will know about, it's very similar in a lot of ways, that we have a physical dimension, um, but we don't actually live in the physical dimension nearly as much as we live in the dimension of our mind. And we are often thinking more about mental concepts and problem-solving and future uh, wrangling or thinking about the past than actually in the present moment. And so even if you think about driving here today, how many of you were really intent on the steering wheel and the cars and all that, and how many of you are thinking, I wonder what's going to happen. at that today, or gosh, I must do the shopping on the way home or whatever it is, you know. So there's this mental life going on. That is interrelated in a sort of Venn diagram way uh, with our physical world, but it's not necessarily the same as it. And you can't bang a nail into a thought. You can't smell a thought. You know, our physical senses aren't designed to be able to cope with the thinking process. And then beyond that, we have our souls. And when you are embarking on a spiritual path, the whole idea of having a soul that the soul is going through experiences, becomes more and more of a reality to us. And then it's through the soul that we have this experience of the One and that our soul is so locked into that One, but like a Venn diagram, the soul is partially in that relationship with the One all the time. And you know, if you drill far enough into any person, what you come to is the One. But then around that One, we have the law of cause and effect. And the law of cause and effect is something that's been talked about, I think, in well every tradition I've ever studied. And in the East, it's called karma. Jesus called it, you reap what you sow. So in both of those traditions, certainly in the Kabbalistic teachings, that there's this law of cause and effect. So if you snap at someone, then sooner or later, that person wants to snap back at you. It's cause and effect. Who's experienced that? <laughs> Easy. Cause and effect. And so when we're looking at this question of is there a God, good and evil, the great things we experience, the terrible things we experience, those concepts of good and bad and the experiences of good and bad actually only happen in two of the realms where we operate. So the two realms that we're operating in to have those experiences is our physical and the mind. So with the physical and the mind, we can experience duality and Sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes it's unpleasant. When we um, merge into the soul and the divine in that soul, then it's almost as though everything that is negative, or, or we call it negative, seems to fade and doesn't seem as real as it did when we were in it, in our physical. And the accounts of mystics from various spiritual traditions a test to how down the track, down the path, you don't remember the pain. You just remember the gain. The gain becomes who you are. It's your beingness, and you become quite a different kind of person to who you were in the beginning. So I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in many people that over time when we're on a really good spiritual path, then we will experience change. We'll experience that Oh, all these things that I used to be very reactive about, things that used to drive me crazy, uh, situations with people that used to make me feel like I want to tear my hair out or punch their lights out. Not that we would, but we can feel like it. Um, Those things become things we can understand more easily and that we have tools to help us to deal with them so that in the end, when those very same stimulus come up, as they do in a cyclical fashion, we find that the next time it comes up, oh, okay, well, I actually feel all right in this. I, I feel like I can deal with this. So the same thing that caused such pain in the beginning, now is just a curiosity. It's like, oh, there it is again. But I don't feel the terror. I don't feel the stress. I don't feel the heart-aching, uh, you know, need to blame someone, to strike out in some way, to lash out with my mind or my words. I'm actually pretty calm in the face of this situation because I've got experience in dealing with it now. So you then ask yourself, well, why did the divine chuck us out of that unity and put us into the duality of having a mind and having a physical body? And I think a good description of that comes from the story of Genesis where Adam and Eve were in the soul dimension, having a gorgeous time in this endless garden where everything just happened in accordance with a telepathic movement like waves on a beach. So in that telepathic movement of oneness, everything was like a choreographed dance and everything was beautiful all the time. But there wasn't always the appreciation of that beauty because there was nothing to contrast it. Everything was beautiful. Everything was provided. There was no sense of the exquisiteness of, say, this peach that's just come off a tree or an apple that's just come off a tree because it's part of that unified field of gorgeousness that I don't know anything else. And it's only when you divide creation and say, well, half the time it's going to be gorgeous and half the time it isn't, that you can learn um, to have an appreciation of the good stuff. You can feel the difference. You can actually have a sense-felt experience of what it means to experience bliss, to experience joy, because you've had an experience of what it's like to not have that. And the same with anything else. And the actual reason for that is because we get to experience something called free will, and free will is a big deal. And if you ask most people who live in the West, they'd say free will is right up there in their appreciation of being human, that they want to have free will. We don't want to be slaves. You know, slavery has been abolished. And I know that it still practices on the black market in different places, but essentially it's been abolished because we don't believe in that. We don't believe in slavery. So if we only existed in a realm where everything's beautiful all the time, then we're kind of slaves in a way. We're like automatons who are just having this experience because we've never been out of it to value it. And so then once we go into duality, as we've, we've all here, we've all got bodies, I can see you, well, therefore you exist as bodies. And so then we go round and round and round until such time as we're out of the game. And we're out of the game when we're just so peaceful We're not attached to the good, the bad, the ugly. We're not caught up in the pain, the drama, the the angst of it all. And we're just able to be in this state of, I suppose, Taoist um, unity, that calmness, that peace. When we're at that place, then bit by bit we start to kind of edge our way out of the field of duality and more into unity. But having gone on this vast journey That when we go back into unity again at the end, we have exquisite appreciation of what it means to have that. It's no longer unconscious. It's not an unconscious state of bliss. It's a conscious state of bliss where I appreciate this blissfulness. I know I'm alive to it. I can say thank you for it every day. I can feel in my heart that I want other people to feel like this. I'd like to share this feeling. I'd like other people to have this illumination and to have these tools for dealing with their, their shit, basically. You know, I just like like the world to, to know that this cycle exists and that that's why we're here. And so we wake up to these things. And that's why we come to Satsang, That's why people go to church. it's why they visit Buddhist temples. It's um, why we try and be the best human being we can be in spite of it all. So, just thinking inside your own uh, experience of life, you know, the good, the bad, the things we're frightened of, because there's two generative powers that exist in this world of duality, and the two generative powers are love and fear. So, both love and fear are gonna generate for us. we naturally beings who are fearful of things until we learn not to be. And learning not to be fearful is part of our spirituality, I think, to be able to look in the face of something that looks really ugly and go, I know that inside that, at the very core of that, there's God, there's Nirvana, there's um, Buddha, whatever language floats your boat, you know, there's the divine. It's in there. And so I don't have to go into panic I just need to stay in this place of consciousness where I'm connected to all that is good. And you might say, yeah, yeah, and how do you do that? Well, you practice, you practice. And once you decide that this is something you'd like to do, you'll have the whole universe helping you and giving you classroom examples in which you can uh, really learn and really grow. So it's an interactive process. It is good for us at the end of the day. Our egos, which are the part that relates to the fear, have one agenda. Our soul, which is the part of us that relates to the love, has another agenda. And I don't think you get rid of fear by fearing it. So, fearing our ego is not the way forward. Love it. Love it. And let it become the refined, amazing, beautiful chariot that will carry you through this life and into the vast life of the one.